Come on in, sit back and relax and listen to episode 164 of the Wealth Tech Today podcast. I'm your host, Craig Eskowitz, founder of Ezra Group Consulting. And this podcast features interviews, news, and analysis on the trends and best practices around wealth management technology. Our topic for this month is buying and implementing enterprise software, where we speak to executives from broker-dealers, asset managers, and other large firms and how they make buying decisions for enterprise software. When do they know they need new software? And they also share some lessons learned around implementations and other buying experiences. Now, we chose this topic because at Ezra Group, we work with a lot of enterprise wealth management firms, and they come to us to evaluate their current software platforms or give them advice on optimizing them, managing RFPs to replace these platforms, and generally supporting the implementation of new software across their organization. So we thought, why not get these people to come and explain to you some of their um, best practices and lessons learned? I was excited today to speak to our guest, Kabir Seti from LPL Financial. Now, Kabir has been working in financial services for over 20 years, and most significantly, he started out at Booz Allen as a consultant, which is always a big plus, at least in my book. Kabir then spent 18 years at Merrill Lynch, starting in investment banking, then moving to wealth management, eventually becoming a key player in the development of the Merrill Edge platform. After the acquisition by Bank of America, Kabir became head of digital banking and then head of digital wealth management, where he was responsible for the digital platforms across Merrill Lynch Wealth Management, including the financial advisor experience, wealth planning, and social media. Recently, Professional Wealth Management from the Financial Times recognized Kabir as the best digital leader in private banking, an award for which he was selected by fellow industry leaders in business, technology, marketing, research, and consulting. So excited to speak to him. You'll really like this interview. And if you are an executive at a broker-dealer, asset manager, or enterprise RIA, you should run, not walk, to our website, EzraGroupLLC.com, and fill out the Contact Us form on the homepage to meet with us about your technology platform issues. Our experienced team can help you assist, can assist you with software and vendor evaluations, systems integrations, improving operational efficiency, as well as software implementations. You can take advantage of our free initial consultation offer by going to EzraGroupLLC.com. All right, one quick note before we continue. Please subscribe to this show wherever you listen to podcasts so you don't miss an episode. And now, let's kick this thing off. I am excited to introduce our next guest. It is Kabir Seti, Chief Product Officer, LPL Financial. Kabir, thanks so much for being here. No, you're welcome. Thank you for having me, Craig. Should be fun. It's a pleasure. It was difficult getting on your schedule. I know you're super busy. Um, tell me, uh, how, has, how has it been the first six months at LPL? It's been fun. I, I think fun is probably and, and exciting are probably the best ways I can describe it. I mean, it's an exciting company, as you know, with LPL. I mean, there's there's a lot going on, right? And you know, different types of models we're thinking about, products, certainly on the platform space and different client segments. So, you know, it's almost um, a question of harnessing where we want to focus and what we want to do. But for me, you know, coming in new, there's just a ton of stuff to come up to speed on. So it's it's been fun. And you're right. It will be six months exactly on the 2nd of November. Time flies, right? <laughs> 
It's a, it's a, it's incredible. Yeah. It's the, um, there's, there is so much going on. Of course, at a company the size of LPL, there's always going to be a lot going on, especially the, the, the wide variety of services, products you offer internally. Um, but backing up a second from that, um, can you, can you share some of the reasons why you moved? So you, you had a great career at Merrill, of course, in the industry before that, what was your, what was kind of the biggest reason why you, you jumped to LPL? So you're right. Merrill was was a lot of fun, and and in fact, I mean, I kind of grew up there because I and mean, when you're at a firm for 18 years in in all kinds of different roles, um, it's it's a big deal, right? You don't just take these decisions lightly. Um, there were a few things, and continue to be those a few things about LPL that I I really liked. Um, one, the role is exciting. It's um, it sort of ties into what I'm sure we'll talk about in a bit, which is it's the chief product officer role, the way LPL is structured, it is the products. So think about wealth management, banking, lending products, then the platforms, which span the advisor and investor experience, uh, research, and then data and analytics. And, and, you know, even at Merrill and working in this space for a while, it had become fairly clear to me that these areas are increasingly intertwined. And if you do it right and you execute well and you focus on the right things, um, there continues to be tremendous potential in this space around how you use data and how you use technology to enable the experiences and how you weave in products um, in that experience. And so one, the role itself was structured in a way that I really liked. Um, two, I really liked the people. It's, it's a great culture in LPL. It's sort of that mix of a place which is growing fast, a lot of ambitious people who want to do, you know, really, really good things, but then also good people. I mean, it's very collaborative. I think there's the, has the right sort of level of teamwork that you'd want and that actually makes doing a lot of challenging things fun. So that's an exciting piece of LPL. And then I think the other piece also is related to the first point, which is when you think of the platform and you think of LPL and its role in the industry, to me, it really felt like the an opportunity where what we do on this platform could well have a real impact on the future of wealth management. And so, you know, to me, that's incredibly exciting. I think it would be exciting to most people. And so, you know, all those things came together in a, in a really good way. Um, six months in, I mean, they all hold true, as I said. Um, so it's it's been fun. And, and, you know, that sort of guided my decision finally. That's so important. The, the word fun, right? We, everyone wants to work and we all, we all work hard, but if you can also have fun, it's almost not, like, it's not work. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, you, you sort of, you know, then you're not worried about things like hours and, and travel and drudgery and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's so true. Yeah. Yeah. And I know, I remember what you said, um, uh, what you just mentioned about uh, the ability to uh, impact the future of wealth management. That used to be what I heard from people, who moved to Microsoft, uh, you know, 15, 20 years ago when they were, you know, sort of driving the direction of the industry and you could move in that, to that role and it could really affect hundreds of millions of, of people. So it's the yeah. same LPL has got such a large footprint across the industry that you've really got the same ability. Yeah, no, no question. And, you know, you think of 21,000 advisors and, and growing and it's rapidly become a mix of, a number of different types of clients, right? As you know, I mean, the legacy and the heart of the firm continues to be independent advisors who we continue to help grow. And then at the other end, there's this rapidly growing enterprise business. And so 
you know, what, what we're ending up doing is being present in this industry in a number of different ways. And, you know, it starts to get to all those things, even in areas that I look at, which is, okay, so what's your platform strategy? What do you want to do next? And what are we solving for? And quite often, it's actually different things we're solving for, depending on the different client segments. So, so yeah, I, I think, you know, we're going to see a lot in this industry in terms of how technology underpins a lot of the changes and how we are able to use data in ways that even some years ago would have been really difficult to imagine. And, and when you're doing it at scale on a platform like this, uh, you just start to multiply the possibilities. So you brought up a couple of good points there. You're talking about the, the legacy business of independent advisors, which is still growing, and the enterprise business, which is also growing. How do you balance those two, uh, the, the very different needs and very different strategies? How, how do you keep that balance? Yeah, it's, it's a great question. Um, and it's, you know, it's quickly become clear to me that there's, there's sort of some different needs, I would say, and then, then a fair amount of commonality. Because at the end of the day, uh, a lot of what you're trying to do is make advisors successful, right? And I think the reason LPL is even growing so fast in the enterprise business is that at some level, the same principles hold, right? You're trying to understand the experience advisors have. You're trying to help them improve that. You're trying to look at all those points of friction you're trying to make the experience a lot more personalized in some sense because that's what they need. And so, you know, institutions are, as you can imagine, they have more structure, but they have sort of, you know, talking about a large number of advisors and they're looking to manage those businesses in a certain way, in a more uniform, consistent way. But I actually think there's a lot of crossover between the segments in terms of what we've learned, right, just over the years in terms of enabling advisor success and then how you apply it to newer segments you're working with. In some sense, that's one of the most attractive things about LPL to our clients, which is we've done this a lot and it's in our DNA. And when your singular focus is in fact, how do we make our advisors successful and how they can serve end clients, you start to go back to a lot of similar principles. As I was mentioning, right? You'll, we continue to look really, really hard at the experience, at basic things in advisors' practices around workflows, and all those points of friction. So, so those kinds of things actually are gonna, they're gonna cut across segments. Um, I would say the one, the one difference that we're working on, which I think will benefit us overall as a platform is this idea that especially large institutions, they wanna be served in the way that they wanna be served, right? These are companies, these are, these are big institutions. And so there is this, this point around personalization in this industry, which people talk a lot about, we're really starting to see it come to life because when you serve a certain bank or a certain credit union and you're serving them in the way that they want to be served, it becomes a very personalized experience in terms of how you're configuring the platform for them. You know, even things like branding, even things like workflows. And, and where, where it's starting to help us a lot is starting to embed this concept of personalization just across our platform overall. And we're sort of learning into that pretty fast. And I think it will serve us really, really well going forward because that is going to be a core need, whether you're an independent advisor or whether you're a company. Hey, don't jump ahead. Could be our <laughs> questions here. You you're, asking all kinds of, you're asking me all kinds of exciting questions. So well, getting all animated about it. That, that's, that's my job. All right. Um, so 
rolling back a little bit, um, talking about your experience back at uh, Bank of America Merrill Lynch. So mm-hmm. you managed the integration of the Bank of America Bank of America Direct platform and mm-hmm. Merrill Lynch's financial advisory platform into what became the very successful Merrill Edge product, which is now a top five player um, in the online brokerage space. So mm-hmm. with that experience, do you have any plans for LPL to develop a similar online small account solution? Yeah, and, and we we actually have a couple of small account type solutions. Some we've got out there, some we're um, working on. And I will, you know, I'll, I'll sort of walk through a little bit of the philosophy and then we can talk about some of the specifics, which is, you know, one of the, one of the areas that we're quite grounded in and we've heard a lot is that, you know, people still have a need for advice at some point in time, right? I mean, there's obviously some people who use robo-advisors, et cetera, but even even at Merrill Lynch, when we launched Merrill Guided Investing, what we found is that it made sense to have the self-directed platform. It made sense to have a, call it a guided portfolio, which was the robo-advise solution, but then also overlaying an advisor on top of that right in sort of like twice year reviews that kind of thing and you pay a little extra and so you know the philosophy here in lpl has been quite similar because that's what we found in the past right we've got a couple of small account solutions like optimum market portfolios which is like a mutual fund wrap program so that's a low minimum of 1k we've got guided wealth portfolios which is a models based experience that advisors can use to grow relationships with small accounts so we've got those couple of solutions and, and they're, we're finding they're well-received both by clients and advisors, because even with end clients, what we found is people really want advisors. For the most part, people want advisors involved in the new account opening process. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's questions sometimes that need to be navigated. There's, there's an element of confidence people want just as they're entering that relationship and establishing accounts. And so, you know, we, what we've found is these, couple of solutions that I talked about are actually quite interesting to end clients, but importantly to advisors also who have those kinds of clients. So that's, you know, I would say I'd I'd compare it to, let's say, what we had in Merrill. Um, The one difference, of course, is, is, you know, one part of Merrill Edge is a purely self-directed platform Mm -hmm. and we're in a different business over here. But the other part of Merrill Edge really, as I mentioned, was this advice light type of program. And that's very much where we are finding that there's a sweet spot with small accounts. So no to the purely self-directed, yes to advice light, advisor overlay, some some might get an advisor involved somehow. Exactly, yeah. And that that we're finding actually satisfies, and that by the way is not because we found it a good idea to launch it. We, we just was guided by what clients wanted, both advisors and their clients. I mean, that's what we heard loud and clear from. Well, it, it makes a lot of sense. So on to the next question. So LPL has developed, has invested heavily in developing mm-hmm. your own software tools in specific areas such as UMA sleeve management uh, and other areas. Um, how do you decide when to build versus bringing in an external vendor? Yeah, it's, it's an interesting one, right? Especially, especially in LPL, because you, we, as you know, one of the core elements of our value proposition is flexibility. So we're trying to make sure you, you as an advisor have a platform to work on that is essentially meeting you. We're trying to meet you where you are. 
in whatever part of your journey you might be. Um, I will say with all that said, the decisions um, are always going to be grounded honestly in kind of like the question I just answered, which is what are we hearing from our advisors and end clients? What are we actually solving for in their interests? And then, you know, what is, what is sort of the right solution, commercial solution that fits those needs? Um, and, you know, depending on the solution that leads you in different places, right? I mean, you, if you take the example you took like UMA, or if you take something like client works, which is our workstation, those are core differentiators for us, right? They're, they're core to our offerings. So those are kinds of things where you're typically going to look to build yourself because they're essentially the hubs around which your offering, you know, rests. With that said, you know, with, with most capabilities, we're going to look at some of the classic factors, right? Cost, speed to market, security. When you overlay all those on top of, all right, what are we solving for and what meets client needs best? You'll typically end up, you know, with depending on the space, with some solutions where we'll decide to build ourselves, um, especially if we want flexibility to continue extending differentiation. There we find quite often that investing in us makes a big difference. You can keep evolving those platforms. And then there are spaces where, you know, you've got players who are really focused, you know, take some of the simpler examples like CRM or wealth planning, right? Mm -hmm. you've, got, you've got people who are in that space. You've got advisors who use those tools. And actually in LPL, I think it's one huge, one of many huge advantages is we can offer those tools to our advisors, right? Which is what we do right now. And so, so it's, it's, you know, as you probably expected, it's not a sort of straightforward answer, mm -hmm. but it's one that I, I do find is kind of an interesting question every time you look to answer it here in LPL, because it's not a lockdown environment, right? The whole idea, as I start by saying, is you're trying to, you're trying to make sure you have maximum choice. Yeah, that's the that's the difference that you're, between working at a Merrill Lynch where their advisors are employees versus working at LPL where they are all independent, and you've got exactly. to convince them to use these products. Yeah, yeah, and and you know, I, I think what you're what you're always trying to balance at some level, which which we're able to do is you, you you're trying not to have like a proliferation of tools either, right? As in, you know. Um, but quite often, and I think advisors have welcomed this when we've, we've worked with them, you know, there's an element of giving them the capabilities they need or, or you know, having them use what they're already using, but then also overlaying that with services around advice to them, right? Around, okay, what is the best way to use our tech stack? And how could you actually benefit from using capabilities or tools that you might not have thought of in the past? And, and we're finding, you know, if you... It sort of goes back to that core mission of enabling our advisors and our client success, because if you approach it like that, then it becomes very much a conversation around, all right, let's tell you the best ways that you might be able to succeed and use our platform, right? As opposed to, well, here are the three choices and you take it or leave it. Sure. And that's, and that's you've mentioned that a number of times, advisor mm -hmm. success. And it's something we, we stress a lot with our, our, our enterprise wealth clients is how do you facilitate advisor success without... Uh, over without without running ragged what they're what they how they want to operate how without sort of um diluting their value added you you use the word dogma their dogma mm -hmm. of how they run their business um so what are some of the ways you balance that out um so there's there's part of it is our core platforms need to be strong right like i talked about client works and the build outs we're doing in the wealth management space the advisory platform 
etc. So one, we're trying to give them a platform which delivers on the core elements of what they want to do. Two, the flexibility is always going to be important, right? As I said, as in people will use certain wealth planning tools or certain CRMs and we are trying to make sure that they have the ability to use what they're already on, but that we have the ability also to give them a level of integration into our ecosystem, which benefits them. So you might have your own third-party CRM you might be using, but we do ensure that it's integrated with our works, the workstation that you're going to be on so that you have a pretty seamless experience, right? Just core workflows like that. There's another piece then beyond just the capabilities, which is all right, when you start getting into what are the other ways we can help you? You know, it's examples, are, I, I mentioned tech stack consulting, right? How we advise them on their tech stack. Uh, we have a rapidly growing services business. So whether it's planning services or bookkeeping or tax planning, I mean, if, if you need help or you need resources who do that, who need to do that for you, we will provide those as well. And then some of the interesting areas that we're getting into are helping them manage their business. So, you know, we have something called Practice Hub, which gives you metrics around your practice. And we're in the process of evolving it to helping you be able to set goals or to be able to look at benchmarks. So well beyond the capabilities you might use or even the services we might offer you, we're also trying to give you ways that you can look at a trajectory of growth compared to your peers and others, and then start thinking through, all right, how do I achieve that? So it's, you know, I think that that word is oft used, that phrase, which is, you know, enabling advisor success. But when you start getting deeper into it, it's actually well beyond just giving people tools or capabilities. It's much more around, all right, Let's approach this like it's our business as well. And what are all the things we would do by way of resources or capabilities or, or advice that we can give you that would help you grow? And, and it takes you and frankly, it ends up taking you in a lot of interesting places, right? In terms of things that you start developing as a product group. I remember the when I was at the LPL Advisor Conference, Mm -hmm. I was so impressed with the, so the, the, the middle of the, the room had all the LPL services around, like the center of the, yeah. of the, of the, of the trade floor. So if all yeah. the, all the uh, partners were wrapped around, but in the center, I was just amazed looking around at all the different services that LPL was offering, as you mentioned, um, mm -hmm. helping advisors manage their business, the practice hub, all these different services, like all these outsourced services. So I was, I was really impressed with that. I think that's a, you guys started a trend. So I'm, I'm hearing more, Broker-dealers, more IBDs also doing the same. Yeah, and, and it's it's funny you mentioned that, right? And for your listeners, it's a conference called Focus, right? Which has got to be the biggest event I've been to outside mm -hmm. of like you know NFL games. And um, mm -hmm. uh, it's actually really gratifying as, as sort of an, an employee and, and especially for me being my first time because you walk around those booths and you talk to advisors who are watching the demos and and then, you know, many of them will talk about how their businesses have grown and how, you know, their sort of small shops and over the last three, four years or whatever time period it might be, the kind of success they've enjoyed. And the fact that they link their success to the platform and what they've, what they've got out of working with LPL is, and it's, you know, it's all very authentic, right? And so it's, it's actually, like I said, very gratifying to listen to that and and you're right. I mean, we had over 80 booths over there. And that's not counting all our sponsor partners who are obviously fundamental to our business. And, and the booths were just, you know, always packed with, with 
people just trying to understand what else is there that I can use hmm. or people with specific questions and being directed to something that might meet those needs. So it's kind of a cool event. Let's switch gears back to technology. LPL has acquired, has done some acquisitions of technology firms in the past. One was Advisory World, a company that I have a long experience with working with them back in the 2000s. You integrated their proposal generation tool into mm -hmm. the new account opening process of ClientWorks. And you also acquired Blaze Portfolio, portfolio management rebalancing software. Are there any other acquisition opportunities you can share? If, if you can't share specific ones, I understand, but what kind of categories are you looking at exploring for acquisitions? Honestly, broadly, I mean, we have sort of a fairly evolved capability around just looking at companies that are coming up in this space. And, you know, as you can imagine, a lot of what we look at is guided by what's core to our strategy, right? But, but when you're in a business of providing flexibility, and you're in a business where we've got so many fintech solutions, it gets, you know, the, the list of things you look at becomes pretty broad quite quickly. So as you probably expected, I, I won't, you know, it's going to be hard for me to get into specifics, but, mm -hmm. but I think in broad categories, as you can imagine, Craig, it's, it's the kind of areas that you would expect, right? How do we reduce the strategic areas we're trying to look at is how do we reduce friction for our advisors? How do we continue to make the experience smarter and smarter? by using analytics and intelligence on our platforms. And then, you know, how do we continue digging into this whole concept of personalization and, you know, whether it's all the way from insights or, as I mentioned, you know, things like, you know, how you can run your practice or even on the product side to tax management. Um, there's a ton of elements of personalization. I mean, it's a big word. And so we keep, you know, a lot of, a lot of our focus is grounded by those sort of tenets. Um, I will say the space, and you know this better than most people, the space is incredibly exciting. We, um, you know, we meet people a lot and we're fortunate to be right in the center of it in some sense. And I think we're just finding a lot of interesting solutions out there. Um, and, and I will say, you know, a lot of what we look at is, is going to be guided by some of the things you called out on, on advisory world of players, right? As in, aside from the fact that it should really needs to satisfy a core need of our clients. Um, and, you know, you, you satisfy the requirements around security, speed to market, et cetera. One big part for us is we, we do need to be able to be confident of integrating those capabilities into our ecosystem. I mean, that's essential, right? Because otherwise what you could end up with is a bunch of different things, but it's not a great experience because it just feels a lot more fragmented. And that's the exact opposite of what we're trying to do strategically. So, so we're pretty thoughtful about, about what we go out and get. I mean, it, it's, it's, you know, we don't, we, we're kind, I would say we're acquisitive, but we, we don't go around, you know, looking at buying every company we come across. It's much more deliberate in terms of process and, and where it fits in the experience we're trying to deliver. You mentioned confidence and in integration. That's something we're pretty focused on. One of the reasons mm -hmm. why we launched our Ezra Group Wealth Tech integration scores because firms such as yours were looking around the market and didn't really know which ones integrated well because it's it's very opaque. We find mm -hmm. across the across advisors or rather across vendors, some vendors offer more information on their websites and but many don't. So it's difficult to know how well you could integrate them. So hopefully the integration score will help you guys out when it comes to deciding which vendor you want to acquire. 
No, no, that's that's actually a by the way, that's a great idea. And and you know, you you really don't know. I mean, especially when you know firms more evolved than ours who have legacy platforms. Um, there are all kinds of things that come up. Um either while you're doing your due diligence and sometimes quite frankly, even later than that. And so I would imagine you'll have a lot of takers for that. Yeah, we've had a couple of PE firms call us with that with that exact request. Like because <laughs> if they're looking to come into the space, the mm. first firm they want to buy is usually a hub, something that they can plug in other acquisitions right. into. So knowing what their integration score is, it helps them, you know, make if they're making a decision between two firms, it's not the only thing, but when they're looking at two firms, they don't know which one to buy. So maybe the integration school will help them decide oh, that's the one we want to work with. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, at some point, I got to dig into that with you. About we'll take that offline. Yeah. <laughs> Great. So, um, oh, we're running out of time. I've got a whole bunch more questions. Um, ClientWorks, the LPL advisor platform, now being used by over 21,000 advisors, making it the most used IBD platform on the planet. Are any, do you have any Upwork or other ClientWorks product roadmap updates that you could share? Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, honestly, it's it's a pretty long list just because of the kind of scale, as you mentioned, we're supporting and it is our hub. But, you know, I'll, I'll give folks and you probably a few examples. I mean, one, you know, I mentioned the growing breadth of client segments and models that we support. So it's, you know, RIAs, it's large teams, it's, You've got the employee model, et cetera, and then you've got enterprises. So, you know, one of the areas we are very focused on is how do you continue to make sure that your R1 hub can satisfy different needs, right? As I mentioned earlier, there's, there's a fair amount of crossover, but then, of course, especially as you enter the enterprise space and we're growing there fast, you start to uncover some pretty custom needs. And so that's, that's one broad area. I think the other piece, you know, on that theme of integration, you're going to continue seeing a lot of API integrations across different types of solutions, right? CRM, wealth planning, all those core capabilities that advisors advisors have. Because, you know, a lot of what we continue to be focused on and ClientWorks really is the center of it is how do we keep looking at the workflows that matter most to our advisors and how do we keep giving them the experience that is most integrated and seamless across those workflows. And, you know, you might talk about a single workflow, but there are many different capabilities within it. So a lot of what we're trying to do is make sure that that experience feels and, and you know, comes across as integrated, easy to use, intuitive. Um, so that's another piece. I think another theme around the, the platform that you'll see is just continued focus on design and the experience. Um, I feel like historically, and I say this a lot, it's kind of been a sort of underserved area in wealth management, right? I mean, it's a, at its core is a human relationship. And I think a lot of platforms have assumed that that takes care of everything. But, you know, as even end clients use the platforms more, as advisors try and do more on it, as we try and give them more capabilities, you know, there's going to be a real need and there already is to keep that experience simple and intuitive. Otherwise, it starts to, the complexity starts to overtake you. And so, you know, there's a lot underneath those areas I mentioned, but those are those are all big areas of focus for us around client works. And you'll be seeing a lot as we go along. Thank you for sharing that. And the, when you, your last comment reminds me, uh, I was talking, I went to a, a talk by Carl Richards mm-hmm. uh, last week at the Riskalyze conference. And he has a, di- he, he's the sketch guy. He has a sketch 
that shows it's hard to, to talk about this in a podcast, but it's a straight line and says simplicity. And then a big squibble in the middle, like a giant ball, you know, you know, the of yarn messed up. And then it comes at the other side, it says elegant simplicity. That seems yeah. like the, the what you're looking for here. For sure. For sure. And and you know, it it cuts across platforms, as in I think historically a lot of the consumer and investor facing platforms have had that kind of focus. So people will spend a lot of time on the mobile app and the website and things like that. But you know, the the advisor facing platforms and even the collaboration between advisors and end investors are huge areas of opportunity for the kind of elegant simplicity you just talked about. I mean, there's tons and tons of areas that you can actually, and if you approach it right, there's massive upside in that. I would agree. Talking about a different area, I've seen mm-hmm. some stuff on LinkedIn and some, some news reports, um, heard some things about um, research. So there's a lot of talk in, on the, in the broker-dealer space about how to provide research, whether it's equity research, fixed income research, to advisors and clients. Are you guys doing anything around that space you could share? Yeah, yeah, sure. And yeah, right. I mean, we have been out there and, and will be a lot more. Research for us is an exciting space. And we're, we're trying to approach the strategy differently and finding it's actually serving us quite well. Because for us, you know, unlike many more established firms in, in that space, um, research really for us is a way to support our advisors so that they can help their end clients. I mean, that's the mission when, you, when it comes down to it in terms of what we're trying to do with research and what we're trying to solve for as a capability. And so, so a lot of what we're trying to do is grow the team, which is part of what you've seen on LinkedIn, which is we want to we wanna be able to provide breadth and depth of, depth of coverage right, for advisors to support their end clients. Um, and continue evolving the kind of content we're putting out there, right? I mean, we, we feel really good about that. And, you know, the quality, the ability to connect to a full-scale investment process, all that's obviously core to any credible research offering. And then, you know, centralized model management, which is the teams continue to curate and manage models. So I think all those are basic parts of what we want to do on, or what anyone would do on research. The exciting piece for us, though, is what we are trying to make sure it is accessible to 21,000 advisors and all their end clients. And so, you know, what, what that starts to play into is not just the, the models and the production of content, but also how you distribute that using technology and how you get the word out there. So it starts to become this really interesting intersection of the core research capabilities and marketing and technology. And then that really is what our strategy is founded on. And we're part of the way there. There's a lot more to do. Um, but you know, we're trying to, what we're trying to do is make sure we have sophisticated ways of sharing the content and up and serving it up to advisors that complement all the other things you would expect from a research offering. So you'll be seeing a lot more of that. I am glad you're noticing it on LinkedIn. It means, you know, things are working, um, but much more to come. Thank you for sharing that. And last question, I'm going to squeeze one more in. We talked about trends around personalization. Are there any trends? Are you guys working with uh, anything with artificial intelligence, machine learning? Uh, if if you are, can you share how you're you're build you're building that into your platform or into your tools or into reporting or things to help advisors be more efficient? Yeah, yeah, we're looking we're looking at a few different areas, um, and and frankly, they're they're pretty disparate areas because they range from, um, you know, proofs of concept we're doing even in in sort of areas like 
you know, a, a clear organization, which is compliance, re legal, regulatory, um, you know, looking at elements of natural language processing there, looking at, you know, insights engines that we can use to, you know, serve advisors. Again, the advisor is always the one we're going to serve those two, right? And they, they decide. But a lot of the goal there is how do we continue giving them reasons and opportunities to have the most meaningful conversations with their end clients. Um, you know, we're looking at capabilities also around tax management, which is, you mentioned personalization, right? And so did I. You know, as you go deeper and deeper, um, you know, you do need an element of sophistication in terms of the kind of, you know, intelligence you're using, right? It's not, can't be a manual process anymore. And so, so those are, that's just a flavor of things we're looking at. I mean, there's, there's several areas that, you know, we are actually quite excited about. I, I think the space in general is, is going to be one where correctly applied and a big part of correctly applied, I will say is that if it's solving for a real need, as opposed to being, you know, something just interesting, um, if it's solving for a real, real need and is core to what advisors and clients want, then I think we're going to see the applications of intelligence in a, in a number of different places. But I try to give you a sort of broad range of examples only because you know that's that sort of gives you an idea of the opportunities that exist in this space. That was super helpful. I think everyone appreciated it. And we've run out of time. You've been so uh, open with us. We really appreciate it. Um, anyone who's interested in learning about more about LPL Financial can go to lpl.com. And Kabir, thanks so much for being on the program. No, thank you. That was great. It was as much fun as I expected. Awesome. Thanks a lot, man. Hey, it's Craig again. That was an awesome interview. And here are my top three takeaways from my conversation. Number one, how do you balance between the independent advisors and enterprise needs? A lot of broker dealers are independent broker dealers are running into this problem as they move more into larger uh, enterprise spaces, besides just working with independent advisors. And we're finding the same things that uh, Kabir talked about, focusing on the advisor experience. How do you reduce points of friction? And how do you really make the advisor's life easier? How do you help them grow? How do you help them run their business? And uh, Kabir used the word dogma, which is really more in a religious sense, but it's very, very uh, useful in the advisor sense in that many advisors have their own way of running their business. And you want to um, standardize across your platforms. You don't want to have too many different tools and too many different um, configurations, which makes it difficult to support. But you also want to give advisors the ability to customize your platform for the way they do business. Another interesting question I asked Kabir about Merrill Lynch, Merrill Edge, and if LPL is going to build a similar platform, he said, yes, they're doing something, uh, a small account solution with a low minimum, uh, part of the guided portfolios, optimal market portfolios, but it's not going to be like Merrill Edge where they have a purely self-directed option. It's going to be the advice light solution. And the third takeaway is uh, when you're making acquisitions in this space, one of the ways you look at a plot at something to buy and why you would buy it is speed to market. Because any everyone can build, most, most big firms have technology people, they have developers, they can build things and building software is getting easier and easier these days, but it's still gonna take you some time. It takes you time to uh, either hire new resources or redeploy existing resources to build out this new functionality. And it's gonna take you some time to do that. Even, even six months 
which doesn't sound like a long time, can be a long time in a, in a fast-moving market. So acquiring a firm saves you that six months or longer and gets you up to speed quicker. It also gets you uh, existing clients that you can work with. So speed to market is important. Second thing he mentioned, something we are very concerned about here at Ezra Group, is confidence in integration. And I, that led me into my wealth tech integration spiel, which I'm sure you've heard before, but it's very important. And we're hearing a lot of this from firms about understanding how different vendors integrate, who has the strongest integrations, the widest and uh, deepest integrations. That's important when making a decision on an acquisition. All right, you've made it to the end of another episode of the Wealth Tech Today podcast. Thanks for listening so much. Really appreciate it. And please go to our website, EzraGroupLLC.com, scroll to the bottom of the homepage, and subscribe to our newsletter. Why not? Once a month, you'll get an email chock full of wealth management goodness, news, alerts, analysis. You will not be disappointed. Thanks for listening, and talk to you all again next time.